Thank you. Bula. <laughs> this morning, I'm just going to be myself. So relax and just enjoy the service this morning. Even I'm excited of what God's going to do. Uh, before we proceed, I've been asked by Darren, since he's here not this morning, to say Bula to him because he's going to be hearing the podcast later on. So Bula to uh, Darren and uh, Kelly. Before I uh, proceed with my message, I take this time to really thank God for the opportunity that for bringing me here to Australia. I'd like to thank um, Pastor Matt. I know that Matt doesn't like to be called pastor, but this, yes, this, this morning I just honor you as, as the pastor, as called of God into this church. And I want to thank you for giving me this platform. It's not always easy to release it, but I thank you for that. And uh, also I want to thank uh, the Lord uh, on how I got the connection here in Australia. As if you all know that Ron is here, David's not here. Back 10 years ago, we met up in Fiji. We met this lovely couple. We got connected and just things just went its way. How God just uh, brought us together as a family and how Bronwyn just fitted well in Fiji, and that's how our relationship started. Then down the two years down the lane, I got pregnant and had Abigail, and that's how we came to bond really closely. Uh, as you've known, six years back, Abigail was brought here in Australia, and that's why I have this heart for Australia, because of the bigness of how we have been blessed back in Fiji, through them and how it just worked out. Abigail, when Abigail was born, I just want to just uh, share this so that you know how I'm connected to Australia. When Abigail was born, uh, she was a normal child. Then when I started noticing things that didn't look good, her eyes started to have that squint. And I thought, this is not uh, right for a normal child for six months. I went to the doctors to and fro. They said, it's normal. It's just going to go away six months. Then down the lane, I asked Bron, Bron, this is not happening. So she eventually had a friend who was an eye specialist. We went to her and then, yes, found out that she had failed eyesight. Quickly down the, down the road, uh, we had this visiting team again from Australia. Isn't that amazing? A specialist, a pediatric doctor coming in for eye specialist that was able to see Abigail. And he did say that, yes, definitely Abigail's got a pale eyesight. She needs to wear glasses. But she needs also to have a CT scan. So I said, oh, great. So we went in, had her CT scan done, got back had a call, and it was fast. And they said, oh, we've got your CT scan, and we found out something. I said, oh, okay, that maybe that led to her eyesight. But later on, we found out that Abigail's got a cyst that was covering her brain. Fiji described it as a 11 centimeter. You know, Fiji, how the information goes. <laughs> then they called back again, and they said, oh, you need to come back in because this is not looking good. So then we found out later that it was covering half of her brain. This is a child that is before one year old, covering half of her brain, but yet growing normally. And for me, that really shook me up. Um, we started to believe God. We started to pray. And how things just happened, where visiting teams came from New Zealand. They were even specialists. But I just felt that God was saying, no, you're not going to be used by these doctors. So later on, we found out that these doctors had, um, they, they came in as trying to help Fiji people, but their backgrounds were not uh, what they meant to be. So yet, but God had a bigger picture. So when they said that they could not uh, do the surgery back at home because 50% risk of having it back home, 
that's where the question mark comes. So I just felt of laying it down to the Lord. We just continue praying with Bronwyn and David, and then eventually it just opened up. And then we found out that Abigail could be um, operated here, but the amount was way beyond our, our bank account or whatever. Australia got back to us, and they said it was going to cost us about 120000 Australian dollars to have it done. So with us and Bronwyn and David continuously praying, and that, that moment I just said, Lord, you know, I might not have everything, but I have Jesus who holds the universe in his hand. And we just saw how God just openly started to open up all the doors and how Abigail was able to come in, being provided by Rob Mack uh, stepping in and how Monash Hospital, she eventually got operated at Monash Hospital, how they just covered everything. So this is the king that we have. And so that's how we are connected to Bronwyn and David. And, and I must say that God is amazing how they've been impacting the Fiji people back home where 100 staffs work under them. It's not that I don't want to put you on spot, but 100 staff working under them. And, the, and these 100 staff have been well looked after by this company. So I believe that we need to pray for the company and all those that have business people because behind the scene, these are things that are happening back at home that lives have been changed and lives have been transformed financially, I must say. So I'm one of them, praise God. So I just want to thank you for that. And now we'll move on. You can see my slide. Come to the Father just as you are. He loves you unconditionally. When I got into church, uh, the first time I got here, when we were praying, that was the word that came. Come to the Father just as you are. He loves you unconditionally. And I started to seek the Lord, Lord, wow. You know, sometimes, yes, we know we come to the Father. You know, that's the mentality, yes, we come to the Father. But really, when you come to church, how do you come to the Father? You know, that's what God is asking. When you enter the door, what is your attitude of worship? What is your attitude of who he is in you? You know? And that's something that... Uh, God is trying to remind you again. Most of the time we come with all baggages to the church. Is that worth it? Okay, right. Job 7, 17, 18. What is man that you should exalt him? That you should set him your, sorry, you should set your heart on him. That you should visit him every morning and test him every moment. Job. Not many of us want to read Job. <laughs> because it, it, it really brings out the very core of what he went through. But here, Job is saying, what is man that you're mindful of him? You know, this morning, being reminded again, God visits us every morning. What is man that you're mindful of him? He's so mindful of you that he visits you every morning, whether you know it or, or don't know it. As you wake up in the morning, he's already there waiting for you. He visits you and to remind you who you are in him, to remind you, hey, I've got your back covered. Hey, you are my child. You are my daughter. You are my son, you know, and I'm your daddy God. And I'm here this morning standing and, and, and bringing out that invitation, reminding you that I've got you covered. And then it comes down to Hebrew 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace for help in time of need. 
what happens when we come to church in the morning, you know? We're so distracted because of our whole week. We get distracted because or someone rubs you the wrong way or says something. But when you come into worship, God knows it all. He understands your weakness. He understands your flaws. But God is reminding you to come boldly, not because of what you've done, because of what Christ has done in you. Right? So sometimes we get so worried about what we've gone through the week, what we have done, or we are not good enough. And then we bring that to the, to the service, and we don't realize that God is saying, come as you are. I know what you did the next day. I know what you've done the last time. But he wants your heart. That's what he wants. Just as a father going to the child and said, I know what you've done, but I love you. And that's what I believe that the Lord is saying to us this morning. You know, come as you are. Not because you're thinking, oh, what did I just do this morning? I just messed up this morning. And, and the enemy is the accuser because he will accuse you. You know, he'll just come next to you and say, oh, you, you did this. Or you were not that good enough, Christian, or this and that. But the Lord is saying, come as you are this morning. I'm not worried about what you did. I want, to, want you to hear what I have for you this morning. And sometimes because we carry so much of those baggages, we tend to forget we carry that back out the door, not realizing that God has not touched me yet. And then you continue the process all over again, reminding yourself, oh my goodness, you know? And then you feel so oppressed that the whole day starts to get more oppressed because the enemy loves that. The enemy loves you to focus on the big picture of what you've gone through rather than the Jesus Christ that's in you. Amen? Then we come to mind. We've got a lot of things going on in our mind. Philippians says, verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are good report, if there's be any virtue, if there's any be praise, think of these things. Honestly speaking, how, how much do we spend on thinking of these things every day? Is it just 50% of it? Or is it 90% of it? Or because we think of it only when we are going through something hard. You know, and God's reminding us, his word is powerful. His word is so powerful that it activates and sets you free from whatever the devil is throwing at your mind. And then he comes down, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And you can always continue on to say that uh, verse 8, like I thank Bron for, for sharing that because just so that this context is not taken out differently. But Lord, the Lord is reminding us again of power of love and of a sound mind. When you have that sound mind, then you're able to think clearly. We are bombarded every day by every different uh, things that the enemy throw at us. Whether it's to do with your business, whether it's to do with your marriage, whether it's to do with your child, whatever it is, the enemy will come and distract you with your mindset. And what it does when it comes and distracts you with your mindset, it will try and make it seem that if it's God saying something to you. But you will always discern whether you have that unrest spirit and saying, no, this is not coming from God. And God will start to give you a sound mind. And I, I, I believe that the Lord is saying he does not give a mind of confusion. And the Lord is saying this morning, you need to awake yourself to a mind of sound mind. Because most of the time the enemy comes and confuses with a lot of things. Especially, I sense this morning the Lord is saying for those that are making decision making. 
you know. And sometimes you come to a place where you think, okay, I need to do this or I need to change into this. But the Lord is saying, listen to what I am saying in your spirit. And sometimes when you don't even think of what, the, what he's trying to say, you, you just need to go out into the place of quietness. You know, quietness to know that he is there with you. And I believe one thing that the Lord is saying that we, we used to think is we try to compare ourselves to each other, especially in the church. Okay? Or he's, he prays better than me. Or he's got this gifting of speaking in tongues. Or, or this person has a more better uh, ways of praising God. You know, that's our mindset. And we start to compare ourselves. And when we start to compare ourselves, then you see where the enemy starts to come and steal the joy. Because if I was going to be like you, Matt, I will make a lousy Matt. <laughs> because I'm not you. Yeah. And I sense the Lord is saying, you need to change your mindset to know that you are who you are. You are Matt because he called you as Matt as individual. So that's why God is saying, change your mindset. And we need to change our mindset. Like I love Teddy, what, uh, what Ted said about the Word of God. We can only read the Word of God. Yes, we can read it. But to activate it, how are we activating it? Sometimes we just love to read the Word. But when times comes, when we start to get shaken, are we activating those words? And that's where it comes again to mind on how you're responding to it. Amen. Your identity. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then Psalms 139.14 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Your identity. Who are you? Honestly, who are you? Who are you as an individual? This morning, I just want to declare, you know, who you are in Christ. Despite of the person that is sitting next to you, who is sitting in front of you or behind you, really, who are you? You know, sometimes we forget who we are. Yes, we have identity because of work. We have a business or we have a bank account or we have this degree that we hold in university, and sometimes we've put our identity on that. And then we forget who we truly are in Christ. And this morning, I believe the Lord is calling you as an individual. What is your identity? You know, who are you in Christ? In respective of where you have come from, the background, color, where you're coming from. The Lord is saying here to you today, who are you? And I believe that you know, deep down in your spirit, knowing that you are a child of God. Yes. But really, who are you when circumstances comes? Who are you when challenges come? You know, who are you? And this morning, the Lord is saying again, you are a child of God. You are awesome. You are great. You have been built for greatness. You are not any less than your other brothers and sisters. And I declare that over you today as individual. Jesus Christ died for you. He never died for you for nothing. He paid a price so you and I can declare 
and prophesy that Jesus Christ lives in me. That's the word. I have been crucified with Christ. And sometimes we don't realize that when challenges come, you know, when challenges come, we forget that Christ is in us. We start to take the challenge and put it up on a mountain and start to worship there because we don't realize who we are in him, you know. And, and God is challenging you here today. He's not looking down on you. He's saying, hey, I've got your back covered. Yet you may fall, but God is saying, get up. Because I am with you all the way. And again, the Lord is saying, who are you? Just think about it. Who are you? Sometimes you'll say, oh yeah, my name is so-and-so, Steve. I have this, I have that. Yes, but really, who are you? When it comes to witnessing, who are you? Are you going to hide behind the scene and get somebody else to start to share? Who really are you? When you walk into a hospital and the Lord starts to say, you need to pray for that one. Who are you? Are you going to share that? Or are you just going to say, Lord, I'm just going to give it to the other person that is going to come and pray for that person. But who are you? And I believe the Lord is saying, once you start to look into you and know the, the king of kings that lives in you, you will start to reign in life. You will start to rise up and say, yes, you can tell the devil to shut up and come under your feet because you truly know who you are. Once you know who you truly are, the enemy is not going to like it. It's going to bombard you, but you're going to be a threat to the enemy. And this morning, the Lord is saying, know your identity. And your identity does not lie in your bank account. Your identity does not lie in your security or your homes or your background. Your identity lies in Jesus Christ. Because when everything falls, when everything starts to shake, there's only one identity that is going to stand, and that is Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay? And this morning, I believe there's so much potential in Catalyst. And I believe with all my heart, there is hidden treasures in this church, and yet we forget. And we are one of them sitting and carrying that. You might be thinking, oh, she's got it, so I don't need to pray. Or she's got it. I, I, I don't need to go and uh, uh, do that. They can do it. No. You are one of them. You are part of the puzzle. You're not here as an accident. God brought you here for a reason. And that's why you're alive. That's why you got up this morning. That's why you drive your car in here. Because you know that you're alive. And God chose you to come in here. Not because you're just a random just coming in and filling the chair. But God called you here for a reason because he believes in you. He sees great potential in you. He sees that you can influence your sphere of life, where he's taking you into. It's just that you have to look in you and to know that Christ lives in me. You need not to compare yourself to this person because this person is great. No, there's greatness already installed in you. And you need to look into that. Amen? I love that part. Letting go and letting God. It's very hard for us to do that. Letting go. It's a very hard task when it's letting go. But I believe the Lord is saying here this morning, we need to let go. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Letting go. That's what Jesus did. Letting go of everything that he had to pay so that he can go to the cross, so that you and I can have that blessing. So that you and I can stand here today worshiping him, worshiping him freely, knowing that we have been set free. I want to share a testimony with you this morning about letting go. Last year has been a tough journey for me. It's been an to and fro to hospital. Matt would know that my husband was diagnosed with uh, heart failure. So it's been two years now where he went to New Zealand, got back, got checked by the doctors, and they say, hey, you've got heart failure, just like that. And it kind of really shook me because I knew that he was our security. He was the man to bring the food home and look after the kids. And by the way, I've got eight kids. I've got four boys and four girls. The oldest is 18, and the youngest is going to be turning three in September. So I've got a handful of house. <laughs> but I've always shared, a lot of ladies have asked me, wow, how do you handle it? But I've always said, God has designed us in a different way. So if God has designed me that way, praise God. So last year, um, while working, I had this call from my son and said, Mommy, you need to come home because dad's not feeling well. I said, okay. No, you need to come home. So I went down and asked one of the guys at work, please, just take me home. I need to go and see what's happening. So I walked in, and I saw my husband with his pale face, not moving, nothing at all, and saying, I can't breathe. So I said, Lord, I just started to pray, and I said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to give it into your hand. And where the flat we were living, we need to go up the driveway. So him being big and heavy, I don't know how I'm going to take him from that place up to the driveway. So I said to him, Sam, you know, whatever breath that you have, try and walk up the driveway. Because if not, then I have to carry you. I don't know, but I have to carry you. So we got the taxi in. We got in just before he walked into the taxi, he collapsed. So I kind of carried him and I pushed him in the car. And I said, driver, we need to go to the emergency. So we, on our way, we were just praying. And the driver put on his um, hazard light. So we are driving down. Once we came to the hospital... There was no bed, and my husband is already trying to um, breathe. So I got in, I just asked the nurses, if there's anything at all, just please bring it. So I got him in, we rushed into the, the emergency, and they, they started checking his heartbeats and stuff, and they said, oh, he must have had just a heart attack just a while ago, but they couldn't believe that he was breathing. So we got in, they tried all their best. And at that moment, I could see that he was just kind of going in and out of trying to breathe and all that. I felt the atmosphere in the hospital was death. It was just death all over. And I could see his face with all these pills. And that day, sorry, I saw tears coming on his eyes because he knew that was the last day for him. Doctors tried all their best. We saw a European doctor there and I said, wow, I had my hopes up. And then when he came and he tried and he said, oh, you know, we can't do anything. And I just felt I started to pray and, and I said, I told him, you know, Sam, at the end of the day, God's got you covered. And at that moment, the Lord said, Miri, you need to let go. And for us as women, sometimes, you know, it comes to the place of really letting go. 
when I saw him, I saw his tears, and I saw that I knew the day that he was going to go. And I said, Lord, even if I had to release him into your hand, I know that you've got my back up. And I said, Lord, I'm releasing him into your hand. Whatever comes next, it's in your hand. They tried to put all this oxygen. They tried to put everything to get him to survive, but there was nothing that is happening. So I just said to him, Sam, I'm just going to leave you into God's hand. I know it's going to be hard for me. I know that my mind starts to reason. I've got eight kids. And I said, but I'm trusting God in this one. And I just moved back and I turned around. And then there's this doctor woman that have been asked to be, to come and uh, uh, talk with me. And so we went to the other room. And then she said, oh, how are you? And I said, oh, I'm good. How are you feeling? I'm great. And you know the procedure that, you know, your husband might eventually, you need to prepare everything and stuff like that. I said, okay. And after he's, she had shared all the facts of medical things that you need to understand that what will happen, she asked me something. She said, is there anything you want to share? And then I looked at her with a big smile, and I said, thank you. Thank you that you've told me all the facts that I need to know. And I looked straight into her, her eyes, and I said, at the end of the day, God has the last say. And it was kind of something was just poured upon her, and she said, I know. And then I just left it, and I came back. When I got back into the room after just releasing and letting go, when I came back into the room, I just saw a miracle taking place where they had to take off the oxygen and, and Sam coming back to that calmness and started to breathe. And I started to see these machines started to get up and, and all the doctors were looking at each other. They looked at me and then they're saying, I mean, how could this happen? But that was God. You know, and I believe like just letting go at that moment even though it was hard for me to let him go. Even I knew that death was always already there. But like truly letting go and let God come in. And when God came in, he superseded all my expectation. And that day I saw miracles start to move and happen. And things start to fall into place. And this morning, I believe the Lord is saying to you, you know, letting go. Most of, most of the things we hold dearly in our life. For, for, my, for my case, it was my husband. Because I hold dearly, because I know that was the security. But God had to take me to the place of letting go. He is not your security, Mary. He is not the one who's going to be providing for you. I am. And when you start seeing me that way, then I'm going to start to see things move in a supernatural way. And this morning, maybe you're going through that with your marriage or your child or your business. God is saying, let go. Let him come in to do that. Because when you let him come to do that, everything is just going to fall into place. You don't have to stress. You don't have to strive. You don't have to struggle. Because it's very hard for us to let go. It's tough. But God is saying, hey, you need to let go. Because once you let go, you will allow God to come into the picture. And I tell you, it's much, much better to let go than to hold on. Because once you hold on, then you're not allowing the king of glory to work in your life, to work in that mess, to work into that problem, to work into whatever situation that he's putting you into. Amen? So this morning, I, I, I just truly sense, you know, that there's many of us that comes to that place of surrender. Whether you surrender your dreams, surrendering um, 
the visions that you have, the calling that you have, but surrendering it to him because he wants to make that dream more powerful and more beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I sense the Lord is saying that uh, you might be here today and there is a wrestle in your spirit. Wrestling of, Lord, how am I going to make this happen? How is this going to work out for me? How am I going to understand it? But God is saying you need to release it to him. And when you release it, don't hold on to it. Let it go. Because once you let it go, God's going to let it grow. Whatever that you believe in God for. Thank you, Jesus. Sorry, I'm just going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit this morning. I know that I've got, but I just sense that there's so much talents and giftings in this place. And it's been there dormant. Dormant meaning that you're not activating it. You're not releasing it to the Lord. And God is saying, arise and know that he is in you. Arise and know that he's got you. Thank you, Jesus. Embrace his love today. That's what the Lord is wanting you to know. Embrace his love today. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 I believe the Lord is saying for you to really meditate and process. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. This morning, the Lord does not condemn you. He loves you just as you are. The devil does. He will accuse you. As soon as you leave this church, as soon as you go out the door, he's already there. He will accuse you. Maybe he will just tell you, who does she think she is? You know? But this morning, the Lord is reminding you again, there is now no condemnation. He does not condemn you. He does not come and with a big whip, ready to whip you because you have just said something or you have just failed. We are all broken vessels here. We are all messed up people here. But praise God for Jesus Christ. He has set us free. He has brought us into the place of ownership. And through Jesus Christ, we stand righteous before him. And this morning, the Lord is calling you. He wants to embrace you. He wants to empower you. He wants to bring you to that place of your identity, of longing to have that communion with you. And when you have that communion with him, that's where he shares his heart with you. He just wants you to just come as you are to him. Embrace his love today.